Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm your host Michael McCall, and I'm not joined by Steve or Zach this week. Unfortunately, scheduling conflicts have made it too difficult for us all to get together. So I know what you're thinking, don't want to listen to a two-hour show of just me blabbering on. Well, you don't have to, because I am delighted to welcome back to the show our special co-host for this episode. It's our good friend, Harjit Jahal. Hello! Happy Monday! Welcome to the show, I think, for the first time in 2022. Yeah, there was a pandemic and then now you guys started, decided to have me back on. Yeah, well, when we've had you on before, it was after the games and we recorded upstairs and I don't know that we can do that anymore. And But we've got you now for the whole show. You're my co-host and who knows, maybe we might make this a bit of a semi-permanent thing. We'll see how it goes. We're busy guys, it's hard to get us all together. But you don't want to hear about that just now. You want to hear about the football chat and we've got a, a lot to talk about. We're going to talk... Whitecaps, we're going to talk their good run of form and their climb up the table. And we can't have her on without talking uh, about women's soccer, the CONCACAF Women's Championship that got underway today. Talk a little bit about LAFC and some fun post-game chats that, that we had with various people. Some more fun than others. That'll be coming up in part two. For this first part of the show, though, we're going to concentrate on the game at the weekend the Whitecaps welcomed the Western Conference leaders to BC Place and they beat them because LAFC can't win at BC Place. Now, I saw some comments online from fans saying Mark DeSantis doesn't win games at BC Place, so what do you expect? So we won't be that that cruel because we like Mark on the show and we'll talk about Mark a little bit in the next part. But Har, it was the, the late, late show again from the Whitecaps. A big three points overall. I, I felt that they deserved it. Towards the last kind of quarter of the game, it kind of felt like LAFC were just happy to just play the game out for a, a point. But before we get into stuff, what was your overall thoughts of the game and the performance from a, a Whitecaps point of view? I thought, as usual, the second half was uh, much more enjoyable to watch, a lot more action. Uh, they must have flipped a, a switch after those halftime oranges 
They created more chances. They had uh, shots on target. Uh, Tristan Blackman had a great opportunity. Brian White hit the post. They really threw the kitchen sink at LAFC. Max had to make uh, a couple of key saves. And yet, uh, a poor clearance does it. And Andres Cubas fires a rocket. And Max Crapo doesn't stop that. No goalkeeper's making that save. It was a beautiful goal. Uh, I just wanted to go back to, I think it was Kubas' first game. He had a shot, I believe it hit the bar. So yeah. he's got a really strong foot. Hopefully uh, he uses it more often and he fires uh, more shots on target. Because when he gets it off and it hits the net or goes close to the net, he's got a really good opportunity. So he has a lot of tools uh, in his toolbox. And so, yeah, he had a great finish. And they get a late goal, uh, earn all three points. A classic Whitecaps win at home. Yeah, but we'll talk a little bit about Kubis after we we kind of break down the game. But it wasn't certainly what I was expecting when they signed him to have that. But it's a nice little thing to have it in your locker. I mean, the first half of this one, again, second game running, it was pretty boring stuff. I mean, if you're wanting to entertain the fans... and. I mean, I've said before in the show, I don't care what the games are like as long as they get the three points at the end of it. And I know that's not everybody's perspective. I know folk want to be entertained and stuff like that. I mean, how do you look at it? Are you happy if you're watching a team just grind out and get three points no matter what? Or would you want it more entertainment and then you don't really care too much about the end result? I think it depends on the fan and what they expect to see when they go to BC Place when they attend the Whitecaps game because, you know, obviously some fans, they want to see a lot of goals. They want to see a lot of strong plays, scoring chances back and forth. But I think maybe if you're more of a, a true fan or you've been following the team for a long time, you've known the ups and downs and you just want to see a result of three points for the home team. So I think it kind of varies. You know, if you're a diehard fan, you're in the supporter section, you want to see a win where maybe if you're going with your, your family and you've got the youngsters going, the kids, maybe you want to see more entertainment. So I think it varies from that perspective, but you know, you can look at the halves uh, this season, uh, the first half, most games have been a snooze fest. It's the second half where they turn it on. They've only got one uh, goal at home in the first half of the season in MLS play. So you really just need to watch the second half, and that's when they turn up. So that's when the exciting play is. Um, you know, they're getting the results. They're climbing up the table. You know, they're in striking distance of a playoff spot. So, you know, they're doing really well. They're on a strong run of form, and I think fans in the city should be happy with how they're playing right now, especially at BC Place. I think with a lot of fans, it's how you send them home. And if you send them home happy, they can sometimes often forget what the first lot of the match was like. But, yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine if there's folk there with kids and young families trying to keep the kids entertained during some of those games is going to be a, a a tough one. But Send them home with a bucket hat. They'd like that too. Yes, I, I, I liked mine. It's a bit bigger than I was expecting. Maybe I've just got a smaller head, but... It's going to keep the sun off me. That's that's the main thing. And the fans were, were loving it. The, the atmosphere at the end of the game as well. There's a few videos that's been doing the rounds on social media in the concourse. And I mean, the the fans were, were loving that. The the first half, the only thing really to talk about, Latif Blessing cracked one off the bar 12 minutes in for LA. Now, I mean, I know Carl Robinson much maligned for his fine lines comment, but it, it is true. Because if that had gone in, I think we had a whole different game. And I I don't know that it would have ended in the same way either. 
But that was it for the first half from both teams. Uh, I, I don't know if they just cancelled each other out or if they're just being cagey or, or what it was. But the, away from home, the Whitecaps come out early. And I think like our, our good friend Alex was, was looking things up and I th- think he said there was six first half goals on the road this year. Crazy that it's completely different at home. What, what do you think's behind that? I'm not sure. Maybe they're shooting more on the road. Uh, they're still not really uh, delivering a lot of shots on target. Neither team had a shot on target in that first half. It's hard to figure out why they start slow. It's not a, a new thing. We've been talking about that since the start of the season. Benny's saying they kind of need a slap to wake up. So yeah, they still need to be slapped around in the first half. And so we'll see what happens if they do have a two-game road trip coming up after that Minnesota game. So we'll see how they do mm. on the road uh, coming up later this month. But it's hard to pinpoint why they start slow and why, you know, the first half goals haven't really been there. But they're getting results at home, and that seems to be uh, where they do their damage. But it was weird as well, because it was like that during the MDS era. They had really slow starts, and you just couldn't put your finger on it. But, I mean, the cap sent out some some stats today to us, and... Since May 8th, the Whitecaps have scored five goals in the 89th minute or later of a match at BC Place. And four of those goals were match winners against TFC, Dallas, RSL and LAFC. And the other earned a point against San Jose. That is something that you can't... You can't teach a team to be like that. I mean, you, you think back to the old days, like San Jose, the Goonies, and fighting to the end. This is a real kind of Goonies spirit that, that Vanny's got with the squad right now. Yeah, and it completely turns my match report and everyone else's <laughs> shambles. I hate it. Uh, I remember telling you and Alex, I said, watch it. As soon as I change it from nil-nil draw, someone's going to score. And lo and behold, back of the net. Um yeah, I don't know why they're scoring these late match winners at the death, but it's working. Uh, obviously, it's a dangerous formula. I don't know how long you can rely on that. Um, but they seem to push forward late in games, and whether it's a bounce here or a shot there or a miscue from the opposition, it's working for them, and they're getting results. So uh, it's lucky, I suppose, but they are putting in the work, and you know they're deserving the, the results. But uh, we'll see how far that can continue. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad I just don't have any deadlines anymore for, for any match reports or stuff because I, sometimes I feel for the likes of JJ and Gemma because you've got to file it by a certain time. It's like, oh, just got to totally rewrite that. But the thing is, and I, I spoke about this in last week's show with the New England game. Now, it didn't happen in the New England game, but as bad as they kind of played against New England, right until the final whistle, I believed that they were going to score. And against LAFC, late in the game, I still believed they were going to find that goal from somewhere. So if you've got a, an old grump like me believing in that, and the players clearly are believing in it, it must play a little bit in the opposition's mind as well. Because they must be thinking, well, we've got to be really, really careful here because this team is getting all these goals and they just don't give up. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's talk about the goal then. 89th minute. Andres Kubis, as you talked about, absolute rocket. Max didn't have any chance. Now, I dug out his stats for his career. When it was first rumoured that the Whitecaps were in for him, everyone always looks at these guys' highlight reels. And 
he looked like a kind of destroyer, tough tackler, bit of a box-to-box guy. But in his whole career, up to this point, three goals in his whole career. In the couple of games that he's had for the Whitecaps, one that crashed off the bar and a goal and a couple of other like decent efforts as well. I just was not expecting this from him at all. But it's such a nice thing to have in the team. And like we've talked about this, I'll get your perspective on this as well as a kind of new voice to it. You've covered the Caps for, for as long as we have in MLS. Since Matty Labba, we've not had one of these guys. But even with Matty Labba, he didn't really have that kind of goal-scoring threat. Now, if Kubis can add all this box-to-box, tough tackles, great hustle helping the defence out, shielding them and getting goals. This is like one of the best acquisitions from the Whitecaps for a number of years, potentially. Don't want to hype him up too much and then it all goes wrong. Yeah, we'll certainly hype him up. Uh, If he's going to deliver those great tackles and just a lot of vision and distributing in the midfield, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's already fantastic, amazing. You really see from watching him, his position, he's reading the play before it happens he's getting in the space where the opposition's coming and kind of taking their time away but if you add a bit of offense maybe uh, you know he gets some assists those shots if you keep shooting i mean i feel like he could get three goals by labor day he has that uh, in his locker and the opposition you know they're gonna have to pay more attention to him when he gets in an area where he can shoot from distance which would obviously open up more space for his teammates so it's a definitely a win-win situation for Andres Kubas and, and the Whitecaps players. So, yeah, a fantastic signing so far. It's, it's been a few games for him, but everything that we've seen from him is really positive. He's really fitting in well, and he's really been that missing piece in the midfield, uh, a bit of a, an engine, if you will. Yeah, the Caps have needed that in the middle of the park for, for years, and he's only 26 when you think like how much potential he's got, he's a Paraguayan international as well. So, so many of these players come over and we'll, we'll talk about one shortly in, in Caio Alejandri, but Pedro Vita is another one. They struggle to find their feet and it takes them a little bit of time. Diber Caicedo had that, Dahomey had that. Kubis just has gone right into this and it does not look out of place. Looks like he's played in this league for years and, for for season after season, I've looked around the league and I've seen guys like Chara, guys like Alonso, and I've been really jealous that teams have that, and we've never had that guy, and I think now we've got it. And I'm I'm trying to temper expectations because you you don't want to think oh this is the 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 key thing that we've got and then things don't work out. But so far so good, cracking winning goal, and I think that that will do wonders for his confidence as well. During the game, when Tybert had that chance on the edge of the box and blooted it possibly into False Creek. I thought it was Kitsilano. They're still looking for it down by the beach, right? When it happened, I'd said to Alex, oh, that's when you want Kubis there. And then a few minutes later, Kubis is there and bang, into the back of the net. And Sarita's, Sarita cam from behind the goal just makes it look even better because Tom, our photographer, oh, sorry, it was Caroline this week, actually, got some good ones, like, face on of it. And then you get Sarita behind and it's like just absolutely tremendous stuff. I mentioned Caio Alejandri there. I'll come to that now. There's been rumours this week Glass City had kind of put some stuff out 
Kyle's been. No, I, I didn't see that. Did, did he tweet something? I didn't see that. Yes, I, I don't think you can see his tweets anymore. I, I believe, but um, Kyle's been a little bit cryptic on his Twitter, and you can read into it. And fans obviously do read into it and are speculating that he might want to return to Brazil because he doesn't seem overly happy here. And I can understand why. He had that foot injury, then he's hurt his hand, and he's just not had this run in the team. What we have seen of him, he, he was decent, but if he did want to move on, I don't think it's the end of the world from a Whitecaps point of view, but we do need to get somebody in to replace him because we do need that number eight. I mean, hopefully he doesn't and it works out because having Kubis, Alejandrian, Gold in your midfield is an exceptional prospect, but I, I can understand why he's not happy just now. Yeah, it's been, you know, frustrating basically a year for him with the injury uh, last year and then his hand this year. And I believe he has a, a new injury. He missed the game at the weekend. So it's just a string of injuries. I imagine he's just frustrated. He's not able to get out there on the pitch, whether it be for the Whitecaps or uh, FC2. So uh, I think maybe he just needs to get some form and have an opportunity just to play minutes. So I think as long as players are doing that and having the opportunity to show what they can do, you know, at least they have a chance. So uh, we'll have to see how he does in training and how he, he recovers from his latest uh, knock. But yeah, I wouldn't turn the page on him right now. I think it's still a bit too soon. I, I know the White Cows were really high on him coming mm -hmm. into the season. They touted him as a new signing. Yes. I remember hearing that. Axel's Lucas Cavallini as well. Thing. Yep. So he's, I guess he's still a new signing. So you really can't get rid of him. So Is he going to be our new big summer yeah. signing? Yeah, he's a big summer signing. I want to see what he can do in July and August. And then, you know, we'll see. We'll see then. So. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't turn it down. Now, you know, players get frustrated. It's a long season. You know, um, maybe it got lost in translation. So we'll see yeah, what happens. Yeah, I, I think it could be that because you've got to think of it from his point of view as well. He's in a new country, and that in itself is tough. He's going to be a little bit homesick. Let's be honest. The weather has been awful, and he's he comes from a sunny country, and it's like if you're injured and you're not playing, you at least want to maybe get out and about, and it's horrible outside. So all that is going to get you down a little bit. So I can get that. He's always so smiley and happy when I you know. see him and you talk to him. He's very cheerful. So uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it, it is just a little bit lost in translation because having Kubis and him and Gold would be exciting, and Viti as well, because let's talk about Viti for a little bit. We haven't seen a lot of him. Axel, not Axel, Vanny seems to... I, I don't know what it is, he kind of... It doesn't seem to feel that his training work ethic is maybe what he wants it to be. Kind of reading between the lines, but I think he showed when he came on at the weekend how hungry he is to be part of this team. And he looks like he could be a, a key part of this team. Yeah, he had a strong showing off the bench. Uh, I think he sent Brian White in, I believe. So, yeah, uh, another young player where he needs to get minutes, he needs to showcase what he can do. And in that time uh, on Saturday, I thought he did really well. And so hopefully that earns him more minutes because even, you know, coming off the bench late in the game, he can be a huge threat, especially if the opposition's tired. You know, he can get in between lines and set up his teammates. So, 
yeah, they're going to need Pedro Vite to continue to provide offense and contribute going forward. So you need him on the page, same page, same with Kyle. So, yeah, a, a small sample size again, but I like what we saw from him and hopefully he gets more chances and more minutes to show what he can do. Normally, if a team's doing well and, and they're winning, it's sometimes tough for players to break into a team. That's not the case here because Vanny likes to rotate. So all these guys are, are, are going to get a chance. Someone else that stood out for me against LAFC, I thought Ranko had a good game. There was one moment where I thought he'd stumbled and had, had set up a chance for LA, but his recovery on that play was phenomenal. And he's had a couple of shaky moments in, in a white cap shirt. The, there's been some own goals, there's been some poor defensive play. I, I, I think he's having a good season. And I think he benefits as well by having Blackman in there beside him. And if we can just get Godoy healthy for more than a couple of games, which I don't know if that's ever going to happen at this stage, that is a back three that is potentially one of the best in the West. You've got a potential midfield that's exciting. And you've got a front line that could be, if they fire on all cylinders, exciting as well. So... It's all looking good, but what did you think of Ranko? I thought he was a man on a mission right there. He was he even got caught, and then he ran back, and then he just kept running forward. So, yeah, he made look like maybe he had gotten caught or maybe he mm. was in a sticky situation, but then he just came through and he was he was possessed. He took care of it. And just a few uh, plays earlier, it looked like Marcus Godinho was going to go through half the LAFC team. Yeah. So I don't know where that came from. He had the speed burners. He was zigging and zagging so that was a great uh, run it was really an exciting second half um just going back to ranko i had an opportunity to speak with him um earlier in the week just talking about max and uh, talking about a few other things and so he back in serbia he played against Jordi petrovic the new england goalkeeper oh so they don't they don't know they're not really like acquaintances like they know each other obviously from playing back in Serbia, and he has said to the Whitecaps teammates ahead of that New England game, you know, this guy's really, really good. Like, we're really going to have to be on it. We're really going to have to shoot him. And sure enough, he made six saves, and he was, I would say, the man of the match. So a little nugget there that him and Petrovic, you know, acquaintances, if you want. Ah. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I'm glad he's doing well because I did have some doubts last year, but I think he's really come on to his game. The, the back line looks good. Cody Cropper looks good. Now, again, we've talked about this, but I'd like to get your opinion on this. Donuts? <laughs> no, your, your big donut question. You, you're nicking all my food questions. I don't like this. Um, Cody Cropper, Thomas Hassal. Hassal's obviously getting back to, to fitness. Played two games for WFC2 now. Cropper, another clean sheet under his belt. Do you see Cropper as the number one until he has a bad run of games. He's the number one right now. He's in the net. He's getting the minutes. You have to give him the net. He's dragged the team back into the playoff race. He's shown that he can make a key save when the team needs him to make a key save. You know, they're not, you know, facing a barrage of shots as they have in previous years. So he's not having to make, you know, five, six, seven saves a match, but he's making that save that 
you need from your goalkeeper. So yeah, he's the number one right now. You have to say he's the number one just because Thomas has been out with his finger injury and he's come back from FC2. He's trying to get his legs. He's trying to get his minutes. So yeah, I would say Cody's the number one until Thomas proves that he can take the net over or, or get some clean sheets and donuts. It has to be Cody. I don't know why you would put Thomas in or shake, shake it up. They've got um, Cincinnati and Portland two games in that one week coming up after Minnesota. So, I mean, you could maybe put Thomas Hassel in one of those games, but again, they're huge games. Cincinnati's been really strong this year. And yeah, surprisingly. Portland's a big Cascadia matchup, so I think you've got to run uh, with Cody. Obviously, he has family from Minnesota, so I believe that's going to be a big game for him. So, yeah, I, I would just play uh, Cody Cropper. You've got the, uh, the Canadian Championship here against Toronto, another big game, but you know, some people are saying, are they going to play Thomas Hassel? I say, you want to win, don't you? So, Cody Cropper. So, yeah. Cropper, the shot stopper. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> That's who they're going to roll with. Numero uno. He, he's really impressed me. And I, I think he's more commanding off the box. And it, I think it helps the back line. Yeah, he's very vocal. He talks a lot. And, I, I mean, this is a huge month coming up for the team. Because you've got games against Minnesota and Portland two teams who aren't in the playoff picture right now either. You've got a Canadian Championship final that opens up Champions League and who knows if you have a big run in that, what, what that can lead to. You've got Chicago, I believe, as well. Yeah, who aren't great, to, to put it nicely, really. Um, the win against LAFC, it moved them level at that stage with LA Galaxy for seventh and final playoff spot, Galaxy had the tie-breaking edge. And we'll look at the West standings after the weekend action in the next part. But the Whitecaps are the form team right now. Across the last 10 matches, they've tallied the most points in the league, not even the Western Division, but the whole league with 20 points, averaging two, two points a game. And it's six wins, it's two losses, it's two defeats. You've got clean sheets in there. You've got wins on the road. Did you see this coming two months ago? Because I'm stunned. I'm glad to eat humble pie. I didn't think they would beat LAFC, to, to be honest. So I'm glad when I'm wrong and it's stuff like this. I think it's apple pie because it's July 4th. <laughs> but um, I didn't see this dramatic of a U-turn. I, I guess we should have based on the run they did to make the playoffs last season. I thought, obviously, they're going to play better. You know, they're not going to have all the bad luck that they had earlier in the season. You know, the, with the injuries, with COVID, with all the road games and the travel, they really had a lot of things going against them. And I think that one of the key things is they're big-name players. They're players they depend on. They are healthy. And they've had a chance to play and show what they could do. Brian White's really, really coming on now. Uh, Lucas Cavallini's had a bounce-back season, so... These are players that, you know, they need them to play really well. Orion Gold's finally fit and healthy. He's showing what he can do. So I think it's a matter of, you know, health, a lot of home games, just kind of gelling and getting settled in. I thought, you know, yeah, they're going to play better. But, you know, this quick turnaround, maybe not right now, maybe gradually throughout the summer. But to see them right in the thick of the race, it's great for the fans, great for the city. They can really get behind the the team during July, August, September, right to the playoffs. So, yeah, uh, obviously we're, su we're we're surprised that they did so well right now on this run, and uh, we'll see if they can 
keep it up because uh, they've got a long stretch to go to the end of the season. Yeah, it's always important to get the points on the board as well. And if you can do it, we know how bad the Whitecaps have been over summers uh, in years past. So we'll see how all that goes. That's it for our kind of Whitecaps chat from the game at the weekend. We're going to turn our attention a little bit to more the LAFC side and some fun chats that, that we had after the game. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. In my mouth and my mind's in a perk. I believe and I know that I'm seeing. I can't wake up. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a new month, so you know what that means. It's a new Artist of the Month here at AFTN. And we've had some new bands for the last couple of months, so I thought I'd throw it back a little bit to a band I liked in the 2000s. They're from Brighton in England, Psychobilly punk band, 80s matchbox beeline disaster. That was their third single, taken from their debut album, 2002's Horse of the Dog. Their second highest chart hit, it reached number 26 in the UK charts. That was Psychosis Safari. And trust me, as we play them over the month, they're going to take you on... Certainly a safari of psychosis times, and I'm sure Har will love that when she gets to hear it later on. I love a good horse and a dog at a yes. safari. They're a very good band, very, very weird band, and we've got another song coming up to kick off part three with them as well. But we're, we're going to kind of turn our attentions to the LAFC side of things from the game at the weekend, because we had a lot of fun. After the game, you, me and Alex, we headed to the LAFC locker room. We had a, a good chat with, with Mark DeSantis. We we just chatted him for about 10 minutes or so, just about loads of, of stuff. And then Jordan Harvey was there as well. well. We'll come to them in a sec. We'll also talk about Max Cripple. I want to start things off by the first person we spoke to, LAFC head coach, 
Steve Chirundolo. And it's nice to have you on the show, because we were going to talk about this on the show anyway. But is is that the first time a head coach has given you advice on how to ask questions after a, a scrum? Actually, it is. Obviously, coaches have, you know, they say a few things or something, but in this perspective, yeah, this is the first time the coach has told me how to ask questions, what the difference is between a closed question and an open question. Uh, for the listeners and the, and the fans out there, this is one of the basic things you are taught in J school, like one of the first things you are taught. So for him to think that it's appropriate to tell me how to ask a question and that I will get a better answer by uh, asking an open-ended question, it was quite surprising that he would feel the need to do that. Uh, I didn't see him telling you or AGR how to ask a question. Well, to be fair, we didn't ask closed questions. But <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's a good thing for you. Probably would have come back in the room again to tell I know. you. It would have been interesting, actually, if I had done that or if Alex had done that and if he said to, to us as well. Because he... For, for folks that don't know what happened, basically, this we were in the tiniest room imaginable. Um, it was like really, really small in the visitor's locker room. And it was a hybrid. There was Zoom folk and there was me, Alexa, and Har asking questions. So then Sharundalo leaves and then comes back and says to Har, if you're going to ask me a yes or no question, you're going to get a yes or no answer. And then just went on to explain, as Har said, about open and close questions and... Because when you asked the questions and he just gave like one word answer, I thought, oh, MDS has obviously told him about you. <laughs> he would have given like a bad answer no matter what the question was. He was just grumpy. He didn't like your question. Yeah, he, he didn't like he AGR's was, question. He did come across quite grumpy. But I had asked the direct question because it looked from watching the game that they were clearly trying to target or get under the skin of mm-hmm. Lucas Cavallini. He got that early yellow card. So I asked, was, you know, was the game plan to target Cava? Nope. Yeah. Because, like, if you ask something like that, you do expect them not just to give a one-word answer. Even if it is a kind of closed question, you're expecting them to expand because mm-hmm. that's how it works. Um, and if someone's going to be a bit of a dick and and basically just give you one-word answers, I mean, there are some really grumpy coaches. Bruce Arena's another one. He's not a great interview. Um, Kinnear, Dominic Kinnear, at times could have been. Uh, funnily enough, maybe it's a Houston thing because uh, Owen Coyle as well. I'd spoken to Owen before the game and he was great and we met in the hotel and we had a great chat. He lost the game and was very grumpy and was not giving good answers and stuff. That's just how some coaches are. But anyway. I appreciate all the fans on social media who who were telling me great questions. How you always do a great job. So I appreciate all the support and everyone who had something nice to say. Yeah, you got a really stuff. good response for yeah, that. Yeah, that was very that nice, was nice of you, fans. See, Thank you, listeners. Thank you, everyone out there. Let's talk about some of the good chats. That Actually, before we talk about that, we mentioned Cavalier. We didn't talk about that in the first part. I thought that was a harsh booking he got. I don't know that that was a booking, but I think it was... Maybe it was accumulative. Maybe it was just the whole series. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. He had gone in for a couple. Uh, that, that's a good point. But they were clearly trying to take lumps yeah. out of him. Like, I think we it was sensible thinking, to take him off at half time. We were time. thinking, when is he going to get in the other yellow? Because yeah. we felt it was going to come. That's the thing, though, with him, because teams know if they wind him up and they poke him, he is going to, he's going to snap. There's a few players in the league like that, and he's certainly one of them. 
But anyway, let's talk about the good chats that we had, because we, we had a good chat with MDS, we had a good chat with, with Jordan Harvey. MDS. Now, he got a little bit of stick coming back. He said he expected that, and he said when he looked at most of the fans that were giving it to him, he could tell that they were drunk. But he he is seem, he just seems so happy down, down in LAFC. And he looks like he's sleeping, he's yeah. eating right, he's happy, he's fit, his hair looks good, everything. Because I, I remember there was at one point, I think they were still down in Utah, I, I'd had a, a chat with him, um, just a one-on-one, uh, and I'd said to Nathan afterwards, I was like, is Mark okay? He looks like he's really starting to kind of to feel the strain a little bit, and in the general scrums, he was grumpier than usual and just not his usual self. And I know part of it was being away and everything like that, being away from your family, and it's tough and just living out of a suitcase, basically. But like, even though they lost, he just looked so happy. He's got a glow about him. And you look at his Instagram, and I, I said this when we were talking to him, and he's always, he's so good with the staff there. And he's so good, like all the food guys, and he's always doing fun Instagram stories with them and stuff. And he just says that the whole atmosphere down there, it's just, it's like a family. And everyone looks out for each other, and there's just lo- so many good people down there. Not that he's saying that there wasn't good people up here, but he, he just, it, going back to that assistance thing, which I think a lot of folk thought was maybe a bit of a backward step, it just seems to have taken a huge weight off his shoulders and he just looks a different person yeah the the pressure is a little bit off more when you're an assistant coach you know you're still heavily involved in a lot of decisions and a lot of tactics and plays but you don't bear the responsibility as much you don't do all the media but he just looks so much happier and his three kids were there after the game and yeah and they're now going down for the summer to LA so I mean what a what a great he was thing doing it his, his coach's badges. He has, he has yeah. done a bit of that as well. So mentioned. he's finished them now, he was telling us. He's been over in Ireland finishing that off. And I'm sure he won't mind us mentioning this as well. But he had a lot of opportunities. To He had uh, an opportunity in Norway. He had done some coaching stuff in Spain, which he'd put on his Instagram. And I think a lot of folk thought maybe he'll go into the CPL, maybe go back to Ottawa and you'll have the DeSantis brothers there. But he just thought, at this stage, that his ego isn't big enough to say, oh no, I, I have to be a head coach. And he still feels his things to learn in a coach. And I think supporters here would say, yeah, you, you do. And I think working with Chirundolo, a young coach, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bit of a different kind of head coach assistant dynamic. And he is going to learn a lot. And he said, never say never for coaching again it, in MLS, but I still think at some point he's going to end up in the Canadian setup, whether it's maybe under 20s or something like that. He There was lots of rumours that he was in line for the, the head coaching job before Floro got it. I think he'll get another shot at MLS. I feel like there's an opportunity for him, maybe not this year or next year, but I think down the line, at, you know, a lot of assistant coaches they get opportunities to get another one. So I think MLS is kind of where he'll kind of stay. We'll see how far that goes. He just, he's just right at home with LAFC. It feels like a, a really good fit for him. So I see him staying there for a while. And then maybe if there's a move when he's ready, you know, he's, he's still got his young kids. So 
I'm not sure, but I, I just feel like CPL or something maybe with Canada, I just don't feel like that's something he would maybe want to do. Obviously, I'm not speaking for him, but he's kind of done that a little bit up here in Canada. So uh, we'll see what his next step is down the line. I, th- I think he still has a hankering as well to to coach overseas at, at some point. I can see him definitely doing that again. But I mean, his kids are still at school here. That's why the LA move made sense as well. He can get up during holidays. They're coming down for the summer. So, I mean, it, it's all great stuff. And obviously, he was very excited about having the likes of Cialini and Bale coming into the team. And, and why wouldn't you? Like, as a, as a head coach, as an assistant coach, to have those guys and that quality, it's just, it's like different level. Both of them look like they could be fit for the, the Galaxy game on Friday, or not fit, but good to go, because they're able to play in that, it, the window opens. That would be some debut for them in the LA Galaxy, especially the way that the Galaxy played tonight uh, against Montreal, absolutely destroyed them out there. The shame we won't be able to watch the El Clasico. What are we doing again on Friday night? Are we busy? We're going to be somewhere. I, I don't know if I'm going to go to the Minnesota game. I might just watch it all play out at home. But another man who's very busy down at LA is Jordan Harvey. And we we were chatting to him. Jordan Harvey, when you would talk about like Mark being really happy, Jordan is so happy down there. And he's learning so much. He's involved in so much behind the scenes with LAFC. He's... Working with, with John Thorrington, he's working with the the, the ownership group, the and broadcasters. The, the broadcasters well. been doing some yeah. commentary and yeah. doing stuff with the academy. And f- for a guy that's maybe still wanting to decide what he wants to do in the game, to ha- to learn all that and to to do so much stuff, I mean, it's great, and he's loving it there. But he also said he still loves Vancouver, and they came up a little bit early, and they're not going back with the team, and. Him and Kim are going to go and explore the, the city for a couple of days and maybe didn't have the, the best weather for a few days. But it, it's nice to see a guy that was here that still loves the city so much, but he's loving it in LA. Yeah, he loved it up here in Vancouver. He was telling us, you know, I think they had a few days before the game. I'm, I'm not sure when they went back. And obviously Kim, you know, they have two uh, young daughters, I believe. So, yeah, you know, he was so happy. It was nice to see him. He's a Whitecaps legend. He's always been so good to us and the fans yeah. in, in Vancouver Harbor all the time. So we'll see where he goes because, you know, he has a lot of MLS experience. He's a huge veteran. His career, you know, spanned a lot of years across the league. So we'll see what he wants to do, whether it's broadcasting, maybe some coaching in the academy or I mean, behind he's a the scenes executive. A, a yeah. When, if, just, if anyone's knows, listened to his, yeah, his podcast, yeah. the one that him and Beta did, they were yeah, superb. It was hilarious, yeah. But I mean, he's got that, definitely he could do. I do wonder, though, if he might go down like kind of the Tossin Ricketts route and maybe go into front office, because he's the kind of guy, mm-hmm. like Toss really here, you, you want a guy like John Harvey in your front office. Yeah, that'd be a good fit for him as well. So whatever he wants to do, I think he'll he'll excel at it when he decides. Uh, and one of the things he said, and everyone that you speak to at LAFC, they speak so highly of the man that we like to call Sick Note on the on the podcast, John Thorrington. But we had the John Thorrington Memorial Injury Bench at one point as well. That was a, another one of our podcast tropes but not everyone speaks so highly of John Thornton and what he does for LAFC and Jordan Harvey 
said he's learned so much from John Thornton in the last couple of years. They're the white caps of Southern California. And what what you said about Jordan there, like over the years, like you and me, when we're speaking to the players, we do a lot of fun stuff. We do a lot of stupid stuff mm. with them. Mm-hmm. And you especially. Yeah. And like Sarita does as well. She was talking about this in the pregame show that some some guys she knows if she puts the mic up, sometimes they want to talk, sometimes they don't, and sometimes they want to have fun, sometimes they don't. If I look back at the players over the years, there's probably four standout players for me that have always had so much time and always put up with the stupid things I ask them and always played along and been really good. Jordan Harvey was one of them. And interestingly, the other three were all goalkeepers. David Usted, always fine to chat about anything I wanted, whether it was music, books, travelling around with his family in Vancouver. Uh, Stefan Marinovic, he was another guy, and Max Cripo. It's like all those guys have always had so much time for them on the show. And it's... It's a bit weird when you see a guy like Max coming back and he's getting booed. And I totally understand why the fans are booing it. I mean, I've done that over in Scotland with his five. When players come back, you boo them. Because he's always been so good for me, I don't really hold any ill will against Max. But I do understand why the fans do, because it's never really been cleared up. And lots of people push the narrative that he left because of money, but from what we believe, that isn't the case. We won't go into exactly why, but I, I, I wasn't surprised by the reaction he got on on Saturday, but I, th- I thought he handled it really well. Yeah, um, he um, spoke to us after the game. I asked him about the booze. He kind of poked the fans a little bit, mm. saying it was how nice it was to see the, the place filling up and how the fans, the players here deserve to see more. Yes, know, he said the fans are always like, That's out. a bit of a backhanded compliment there, Max. I mean, that's that probably is going to give you some more booze. But he was the first player on the pitch for either team for warm-up. I I could have touched him. He walked right onto the pitch. I thought, security, are you going to do anything? No, I'll just walk over there. Basically, autographs for folk as well. Yeah, he did autographs in the video. I got a video and autographs. And yeah, Uh, but the booze, man, they were loud and they were frequent and they were often. I was not surprised. Um, I was more surprised that no one threw anything at him or no fans (laughs) tried to run on him out the pitch. But yeah, because if if you go up by what social media was saying and all that, the fans really... We're not a fan of Max. They want to know why he asked for a trade. Obviously, he's wanting to keep that private. So it's his his personal choice to do that. And so I think fans are kind of upset. You know, they welcomed him in. He wasn't a number one goalie when he came to Vancouver and he thrived. And you know, now he's he's I would say he's the number one goalie in the league right now. He has the most wins on the best team. So fans are kind of left holding the the bag or something. So yeah. I can see why they're upset. Yeah, I mean, it was just unfortunate the, the way he left. And I mean, if I'd been in the, the South Side, I would probably have booed him as well. That's just, it's just what football fans do. If I had been Max, though, and like Max, obviously, a way classier guy than me, I would have played up to it. I would have been the complete villain. I would have moved the, the ball from one side to the other to get him to boo more. And yeah, put your hands up to your ears and, and do that. And just really, really play up to the, the whole villains thing. 
maybe he'll do that at future appearances when he comes back. Who knows? But let's just hear a little bit from Max post game. Just I asked him a question and then Hart took over. Basically, just like five, six questions. I couldn't get another one in. I opened my mouth to ask a second question, then you just jumped in and that was it after that. I didn't see it. You were on the other side and no one interrupted Yeah, we had a whole camera in between us. It was like very Well, I didn't want to stop because I didn't want to have Chirondolo come in and tell me I had to ask more questions. Yeah, Max didn't seem to have any problems with your questions. Let's hear a little bit though just now from Max. Max, obviously not the return you were hoping for here. What, what did you make of that game? It seemed cagey, and it felt like neither team was really getting out of first gear, but then at the end, the Whitecaps just seemed to find something. Yeah, I mean, uh, we uh, we were trying to find our rhythm uh, with, the, with the three in the back, trying to find our right passing at the beginning, and so uh, that's why it was a little bit uh, slower pace, to be honest, and then Vancouver didn't pressed us the whole game in, in our third and so that's why a little bit uh, it was slow at, at times and yes after uh, the last 20 25 they got a little bit of rhythm with set pieces etc um, they capitalized on one chance at the end and so uh, obviously we're disappointed with uh, with tonight because uh, it was there for us to come back home with at least a point uh, and so uh, seven points out of a week would be would have been uh, positive for us now we come back with six uh, but it's professional sports it happens we're really in a tight group and so we're gonna come home and uh, prepare uh, Galaxy uh, because it's gonna be a, a big one uh, at the Bank of California. Max what did you make of the atmosphere uh, there was a lot of vocalness from the fans a lot of booing what do you think of that tonight? It's okay I mean um, some fans accept the fact that I moved on others didn't uh, they love their club, and so uh, I, I totally get it. it. I think it's it's nice to see BC plays crowded more than the usual. Um, the, my old teammates deserve all the support and fans coming into the stadium, and so I think it was great to see the numbers going up because of previous games it wasn't this way. And so, uh, and towards me, like I said, it, it happens, and there's no problem. We carry on. How has the move been for you and your family moving to LA? Obviously, you have. A young daughter, it was in January, middle of the season. How has that all been for you? Yeah, our family's amazing. Our family's amazing. Uh, Olivia's growing up so fast, and we're, we're happy. You can't complain. Life is amazing. Uh, there's, there's a new pitch here at BC Place. I don't believe you've played on it since you're back here tonight. What did you make of it tonight? Um, we played uh, with the national team here. Uh, there's no second bounce at all, but when the surface is wet, it's playable. And so. Uh, it has to be wet though. It has to be wet because if it's dry, it's uh, it's not really uh, the best surface. Let's say like that. But wet, there's no problem with it. But the goal tonight, uh, Andres Kubas is first in MLS. Just take us through that play. It looked like a tough shot for him. Mm-hmm. He uh, finds him himself in a good spot and finishes well in the in the side netting. And so um, this is it. Does it feel like kind of good to get this game out of the, out of the way? I know both teams had a circle on the calendar. Well, I mean, every point is uh, every game. Every, every game we need points. We want points, and so uh, we approach it like a final every single time in our preparation. Um, we felt uh, we we felt that it was it was our third game in in, uh, in a week, and uh, they were fresh. Maybe that's that played a little bit on the at the end, but uh, it is what it is. It, it's life, I and mean, we move on as a group. Uh, we're not gonna put our hands down at all, and we need to move forward uh, as, as a group.
Uh, just Max, I just kind of wanted to, to get your per perspective on playing for, for a team like LAFC. I mean, top of the league, you're getting a chance to, to play in front of a great crowd at home each week. I mean, what's it kind of been that adapt, you know, adapting to one of the, the premier clubs in MLS? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been phenomenal ever since I stepped in, in the city. Everybody was so welcome and open arms. Uh, everybody's focusing on performance uh, day in, day out. Uh, so it's been phenomenal. and. Uh, uh, the, the stadium is crazy, it's phenomenal, uh, I mean, even when we're on the road they travel with us, uh, we've seen the support tonight as well, we can hear them, and so uh, it's been uh, top notch from uh, top to bottom since day one, yeah. And just one follow up if I, if I may, I mean you wore the armband tonight, uh, you know, for your new club, I mean what does that kind of mean to be trusted with, with something like that yeah. against your former team and show how you've adapted as a leader on this team already? I mean, uh, it's an honor, it, it, it's a truly an honor, um, Carlos, Ilie, Kalen, uh, we, we got a bunch of vets uh, on this team and this uh, that have been around the league, you know, uh, Ryan, Seb right there, uh, Moody's been in the club. Uh, we got some guys that has been proven their, their quality uh, of leadership on and off the field. And so to wear the, the armband tonight is a privilege and an honor, honestly, because uh, I, I, it touches me and I, I wear it really with a lot of pride because there's a, a, lot, of, a lot of faces. Everybody can, uh, can have the, the armband because of their, their way to go about things on a daily basis and is in the organization. Thanks, man. Thank you. So Max Rippo there, just post-game, just talking about a few things. Guti swapped jerseys with him, his Canadian teammate, so that, that was nice to, to see as well. There's a lot of Whitecaps connections, obviously, at LAFC. One less now, though, because LAFC announced at the weekend, and it was interesting because you'd said, oh, what's up with Daniil to, to MDS? And MDS was a little bit... He had a kind of smirk in his face, and now we're putting two and two together, obviously, now you know why, and it's like, well, why are you asking? As if he thought that we knew why, but he's been waived by LAFC, and Peter Galindo uh, had suggested maybe a return to Vancouver, rotating in and out of the back line. I'm not in favour of that. I, I would not want to see Daniel back here. Obviously, I really like Daniil. Yeah. I always got along with Daniil. He's really nice to me. He's, he's a good guy overall. But, you know, center back, I'm not sure if that's a fit. The Whitecaps are kind of set at that position. But you could always need another center back. I just don't think he would get the regular minutes that he would want or need, especially if he's trying to earn a, a spot on that flight to Qatar. So yeah. I'm maybe not the greatest fit. We'll have to see. Well, maybe Toronto or maybe... Um, LA Galaxy. I'm not sure where that where he goes or where he fits in. But if he yeah, wants to go to guitar, yeah. If he mm. wants to go to guitar, he has to be a starter wherever he goes. It's got to be as a starter because yeah. that position. I mean, it's it's an extended roster, so I mean, he might get in just for his experience. And John Herman obviously knows what he can bring. For me, he's too error prone, and that's why I wouldn't want him here. I think it would. I think it would mix up the Whitecaps' backline more than aid it. Now, obviously, if Godoy doesn't get healthy, you've got that whole thing. But you've got Matteo Capagna. Big fan of him. He's done really well with WFC too. I would be fine to see him getting getting thrown into the mix as well. But, but we'll see what happens. 
he can thank uh, he can thank old Giorgio for losing his spot. Yeah, I, I mean, who are you going to pick, Cellini or Henry? That's that's a tough one, isn't it? Not really. Let's just round this part off by having a look at how the the Western Conference is looking after all the holiday weekend games. We we did this on the Monday night, partly because of the scheduling issues, but also wanted to get all the games out of the way. So despite losing, LAFC still out on top in first place on 36 points. Austin, still amazed that they're still keeping this going. Just two points back now as they had a an interesting win tonight in a what seemed to be an absolutely fantastic game uh, against Colorado. 3-2 that finished in the end. But, I mean, Austin, have they surprised you that they've kept this going? They had such a strong start, but they were playing against quite weaker teams, but they've re- they've just kept it going. Yes, they have surprised me, Michael. They just scored tons of goals. That's yeah. what you need to see. I mean, and some of them come in the first half too. <laughs> they're exciting to watch. That stadium, that's like when we were talking to MDS, he said, Oh, you guys have got to come down. And I do want to get down to take in a game in LAFC, <laughs> but I want to see a game at Austin as well. Verde. But it's not green, it's Verde. When the light goes out and it turns Verde, it's, I mean, that's amazing. LAFC, Austin. Sporting Kansas City. That's the three stadiums that's on my kind of list that I have to do. I'd like to go to Minnesota. I'm not too fussed about that one, to be honest. But I mean, at some point, I'd love to go to all of them, but I don't think that's probably going to happen. Austin, Defo, maybe Kansas City when they're playing better. Just a cauldron. Your BFF is down there too. Well, obviously, I I have to stay a certain distance away from him because of the court order. So that that does that does (laughs) complicate things. LA Galaxy, with a thumping of Montreal tonight, now sees them move up to fourth. This is how tight it was. When the Whitecaps finished their game, they were tied in points with LA, and the Whitecaps were eighth. The Whitecaps have now finished the weekend in ninth, and LA's jumped up to fourth. Dallas are fifth on 27 as well. Nashville on 27. So three teams on 27. Then Seattle in the seventh and final spot just now in 26. So below the line... Minnesota on 24, Whitecaps on 24, Portland on 23, Houston on 21, Colorado on 19, Quakes on 18, Kansas City bottom on 16. I don't think, like, every season by this point, there's probably one, maybe two teams that you think, yeah, they're, they're out of it. And last year it was the Texas teams. I think all 14 sides will realistically think that they can get into the playoffs at this point, even Kansas City. Yeah, but I would I would scratch off San Jose in sporting Kansas City. Sa- San Jose, even though they're not bottom, is possibly the team. But who knows, if Pamadou Carr goes there, if those rumours pick up pace, he's the kind of guy that can lift the team and motivate them. No, I don't see it. I would scratch those two off. They're going to need a monumental second half. I do not see it. For the Whitecaps, next up is Minnesota on Friday night, and they're 8th and 24, we're 9th and 24, massive game. I'm glad it's at home. Three points in this, and you're realistically looking at the Whitecaps being in the playoff spots, and how do you see that one play out? Okay, I'm going to shock you, but I see it's being a very tight game, <laughs> the goal's coming in... The, the second half. 
maybe I'll just turn up for the second half. Maybe there's not any. Maybe that's why the fans are always late getting in. They know there's no point turning up for the early going. Exactly. Hmm. Nice night. Good weather. I I think they'll win. Yes, I do too. I'm actually going to say two 0 I think it's going to be a bit more comfortable, but I could see both the goals being in the second half. Okay, I'll say two one then. So yeah, let us know your thoughts. Get your your predictions in as well. I feel like there's going to be a VAR decision because we haven't had VAR turn up for a few games now. It's the Whitecaps, so usually VAR does something silly, so I feel like VAR is going to turn up. We'll see what happens. Don't jinx us. It's nice when they get a game that it's not in I didn't say it would be bad VAR. Oh no, I mean it it could could help the Whitecaps, yeah. Yeah, LA Galaxy got a VAR decision today and they got a penalty goal. Uh, that, and that was the right one because as soon as I saw it back, I was like, oh yeah. I felt yeah. for Waterman and he obviously didn't think it was, but no, nah, it, it was a it was a penalty for me. Mm-hmm. They, you've got Caldwell going, by the letter of the law, that's a penalty, but that's harsh. It's not harsh if it's the letter of the law. It's It just made no sense. Anyway, don't start me on Caldwell. That is it though for our... Whitecaps chat or MLS chat, we're going to turn our attention in the final part to some women's soccer and bring you this episode's wavelength. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the final part of this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is another song from our new Artist of the Month for July, 80s Matchbox Beeline Disaster. Now, I haven't played this song for Max Cripo, but if you want to read into it that I have, you maybe can. When Love Turns to Hate... Because I guess you could say amongst the Whitecaps fans, their love for him has turned to hate. A bit of a, a different sound to them there from the, the first song that we played at part two. They kind of changed their sound as their albums progressed. That was taken from their third and final album, 2010's Blood and Fire. And we've got some more cracking stuff coming up from the 80s Matchbox guys for the rest of the month. But for the rest of this show, or at least for this first part of it, we're going to be turning our attention to Woso, women's soccer, because I can't have her on the show without talking about that. And it's perfect timing because the 2022 CONCACAF Women's Championship got underway today down in Mexico with a couple of surprise results. From me looking at it anyway, you might tell me they weren't. First of all, the US only beat Haiti 3-0. That seems a shocker. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I would have obviously thought that they would have piled on more goals and then celebrated all those goals. Yeah. It was a, a tighter game than we thought. Alex Morgan, though, she's just on fire. She's in fantastic form for her club team. She's in fantastic form for the U.S. Um, I believe there was a, a missed penalty for the opposition, oh. so the U.S. could have allowed oh, wow. a goal. They had a few miscues, but 3-0 is still a solid win, three points, so the U.S. starts out strong. I think they're going to be motivated to, to win the tournament and maybe get revenge on a certain country uh-huh. up here so yes. a strong friend from the americans in jamaica yeah they had a huge win tonight over the host so that was surprising that uh, seemed an absolute shocker yeah a slow start for mexico especially at home i'm surprised by that so uh a bit of a, a few surprises in group a on the first day today well the interesting one with that now is i mean you've got to think the u.s will beat mexico and mexico will beat haiti but Jamaica's now got a great chance of finishing second in that group, which is going yeah, to Yeah, make... we should maybe mention that the teams that finished first and second in each group will qualify for the 2023 20, uh, World Cup in Australia and New Zealand next summer. And then the team that wins the tournament in Mexico will qualify for the 2024 Paris Olympics. And so the runner-up, basically the loser of the final in Mexico, they'll play the runner-up of the, I believe, the third and fourth place game. They'll play in a playoff, and that team that wins that playoff will get the second spot at the Paris Olympics. So you really want to win the tournament so you can get to both the World Cup and Olympics. But obviously, if you come runner-up, you still get another chance to go to Paris. So that's really the... I missed the... that bit. I, I knew the winner, yeah. Ben. I missed that other bit. Oh, interesting. That so really puts Mexico really in a bind. Choice. That's really the tough part is to get that Paris spot because there's four World Cup spots, but kind of one and then one later on for Paris. Oh, wow. So Mexico really could be in, in mess with that. That's a huge shock. I mean, Canada, they're drawn in Group B. They get their tournament underway on Tuesday. So the time that a lot of you are listening to this, it won't have got underway. But for some of you, it might have already got underway. Now, they've got a tough game here because in their first game, they're playing two countries, Trinidad and Tobago. Now, that's not fair. Yeah, but, you know, they really got a game plan for both teams. Get that result. Uh, I should point out that Canada has never lost to Trinidad, Tobago, Panama or Costa Rica. Those are their opponents in Group B, and they'll start with uh, Trinidad and Tobago on Tuesday. Friday is Panama, and then Monday is Costa Rica. Yeah. So uh, those are the opponents. Uh, CBC is going to stream those first two yeah, games. Yeah, that's fantastic, isn't it? On CBC Jam, and then they'll have the other one on actual TV on uh, next Monday. So uh, Canadians can watch that, and they can still bitch about it online if they want, if they can't find it. <laughs> Uh, we were talking to um, Coach Bev Pressman on Monday and Janine Becky, and so I asked Coach Bev about Christine because the captain Sink has not played since June 8th. Mm. She's been hobbled by a leg injury, and so she missed the final two games for Portland before being called into national team duty. She did not play for Canada in their nil-nil draw against Korea Republic on uh, June 26th at Toronto, so she's had some time off, and now, she's 39 years old, Michael, so we obviously want to rest her and watch her minutes. You, you can't really run her out for three games, 90 minutes in, in seven days. So I, 
I'm confident she's going to see the pitch on uh, today on Tuesday against Trinidad and Tobago, but you know, they'll, maybe they'll rest her and make sure she's fresh for that Costa Rica game, you know, then the semifinal, and then perhaps that battle against the Americans. So it's all about managing Christine's minutes and making sure she's fresh so they can get the most, most out of her. So, I mean, there is, there's, it's a formality, really, isn't it? They're going to win the group. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so, unless something goes haywire. So talk to me a little bit about the squad. Any players that you're excited to see? Any of the young ones that you think that this might be a tournament that they have a, a bit of a breakout in? I'm su- excited to see overall the team as overall because it's pretty much a similar team to what fans will see have seen from the, the uh, Olympics you know, when they won gold in Tokyo. The only kind of differences are Stephanie LeBay has obviously retired. Uh, the Minister of Defense, so Kaylin Sheridan's the goalkeeper. She plays for San Diego, and so she's going to get her first major tournament qualifying where she's the number one. So she makes spectacular saves in the NWSL. She's always great. She's brilliant, so we'll see how she does. Evelyn Vient is the only other player that did not make the roster that was at the Tokyo Olympics, and then two players that were on the taxi squad, Gabrielle Carl and Eric McLeod, they were on the taxi squad for the Olympics. They're not on this roster. It is a 23-player roster, and so uh, a couple of other additions. Uh, uh, Bianca St. George is in from Chicago, so that's a young player to watch on the flanks. And obviously, you fans will know uh, Leon, Heidema, Becky, Michelle Prince, Rose, Sinclair Fleming, uh, Scott, Quinn. So these are all players that can you know, make a difference and Canadians will recognize them. So overall as a team, I want to see how they do going forward. I think they'll pile up the goals in those first two games because they're playing teams that, you know, they're not really, they're not even close to being on the same level as Canada. So I think they'll have a easier time. But if you look at their last 10 games, they've played 10 since August, the Olympics. They're four, two and four. They've scored 12 goals. But six of those goals came against New Zealand in the first two games of the celebration tour. So, you know, they're scoring in bunches, but they're not really scoring regularly. Uh, They allowed seven goals in those 10 games and I believe five clean sheets. So, you know, their defense is the bread and butter. You know, they're going to protect Sheridan, the the back line with Kadisha, uh, Shalina, Vanessa Gilles. Defense is how Canada wins. It's their strong suit. So we'll see how they can uh, replicate replicate that and see if they can keep the goals out. And then, you know, they're going to try to get player teams on transition with Jeff C. Fleming switching up the play and attacking. So it's uh, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to get the job done, though. I think fans will be happy and excited to see how Canada performs down in Mexico. Yeah, folk know that I've been doing the League One BC commentary for a, a number of the teams and We've been really lucky that we've got to see some of the up-and-coming Canadian talent. Like in the Whitecaps, there's a 10 of the Whitecaps squads part of the under-17 team that's going to be going to India in, in October at, at the World Cup there. And the future looks so bright for the, the Canadian women's side. Some of the other under-20 players that we've been watching, Emma Reagan, Mia Panty, Holly Ward, these are women that you're expecting to make the next jump as well. It does look like there's another good crop of talent coming through. Yeah, the the team really has depth, you know, at various positions. And now you're not 
really depending on, you know, maybe one or two marquee players. There's a lot more players in the system and they've kind of stocked, you know, the cupboard basically. And so they have players that are pushing to, to break through to the first team to get into these major tournaments. You know, it's exciting to have players playing all over the world, you know, all over in Europe. We saw Adriana Leon just signed for Manchester yeah. United today. Oh, she left my West Ham, so I was disappointed. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. But yeah, it's good news for her and it's good news for the national team. What's your thoughts on Jordan coming back from PSG to, to OL Reign? Is it a yeah. backward step, but no. is it one that she had to make? Yeah. She wasn't getting consistent minutes with Paris Saint-Germain. You know, if, if you're a professional athlete, you need to play, you need to earn minutes, you need to keep your spot on the national team. Obviously, O.L. Reign is close to her hometown in Chilliwack. Hopefully, she'll have the opportunity to thrive and get some minutes. They're a very strong team. You know, we've got a lot of Canadians playing in the Pacific Northwest and uh, Janine's down in Portland with Christine Reed Wilkinson and Karina LeBlanc are part of that behind the scenes. Quinn is also with the OL Reign. So it's a, it's an exciting time. I think Jordan will do well. She's just kind of starting out back in the back in the NWSL. Obviously, she went over to Paris from being here in, in BC. So I think it's a good uh, test for her to try and see how she'll do over in the NWSL. It's a great opportunity. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what she can do. Going back to this tournament, who do you see winning it? Is it going to be the US or do you think Canada's got it in them again to, to get past them? Yeah, it's going to be super tight. Canada's going to probably play defensive and then try and get the US on uh, transition. But as I was saying earlier, the US looks like they're on a mission. They look angry and they're upset they're motivated you know they're not going to take too kindly to Canada having beat them at the Olympics in Japan so I think it'll be tight but I just see the U.S. they've always owned Canada and you know Bev has played them uh, really well in, in their first two games that she's managed Canada so it'll be tight maybe a one goal game but we'll see and you, you want to see Canada win obviously because it gets them that spot at the uh Paris Olympics. So we'll see uh, what happens. I believe that game would be on the Monday. So whatever the Monday is, two weeks yesterday. That's the date. But Canada kick things off on Tuesday the 5th. You can see the games on CBC and also on One Soccer. Our good friend Alex Rangu Ruzic is heading down to Mexico for the knockout stages of it as well. So check out his coverage as well. That should be fantastic. So thank you for that. It's always fun chatting about that with Yahar. That's pretty much it for the show, but we can't go... Are we done now? Nearly. We can't go without bringing you this week's wavelength, though. But before we get to that, last week uh, we played our song from Kunt and the Gang. That's still the pronunciation that we are going for. And we played Christian Christian Atsu and his Katsu Curry. And I was asking for suggestions for a White Cat's point of view. And the best one we got came on Twitter from Stuart Burgess, who said that we could record it as Matteo Capagna makes a delicious lasagna. Matteo Capagna makes a delicious lasagna. 
I don't know what you're talking about, man. But no, I, like I know you didn't hear that. Your little you? dance is good. Your dance is good, but I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just mad at myself that I didn't think myself to rhyme Campania with lasagna. I'm obviously failing in that department. But yeah, if you've any other ones, send them in. This week's Wavelength, it's a new month, and I'm going to have a theme, hopefully, for the, the songs this month. And we might even bring you another one from Mr. Kunt at the end of the, the month as well. But... We're going to have songs about individual players. We've done this before uh, on our Wavelength section, so we'll, the month of July we'll just have songs about players. And I, I've brought a special one out. I mean, it's not the best song that we've ever played in this section, but it's a, it's one that's very timely. It's from 2016. It's by a Scottish group called The Thornley Boys, and it's about the Scottish goalkeeper Andy Gorham. Passed away this week, age 58. He had a short battle against cancer. 43 caps for Scotland. Mostly known for his time at Rangers and then Hibs before that. Two games on loan with Man United as well. A dual sportsman for Scotland. He played cricket and football for the Scottish national teams. Sadly passed away this week. This is their song from 2016, all about Andy Gorham. Simply called... The goalie. Between the sticks for Glasgow Rangers He was Rangers' last man in defence Not many football passed this amazing goalie T'was like in front of his goal he built a fence Yes, Andy Gorham was a Rangers hero There were many times he'd saved the day Saving shots from many a brilliant striker Saving headers, free kicks and penalties For we will always remember and we will forever recall the great saves that were made when Andy Gorham played he was the greatest goalie of them all Many times she broke the hearts of Celtic For saves she made were just beyond belief A ball could be heading straight into the Jer's net When Andy he would stop it with his hands or feet For we will always remember and we will forever recall 
great saves that were made When Andy Gorham played He was the greatest goalie of them all A heartfelt song there from the Thornley Boys for Scotland and Rangers and Hibernian goalkeeper Andy Gorham sadly passed away this week. A Scottish footballing legend. That was their song, The Goalie. Rest in peace, Andy. But that is it for the show now. We will be back soon chatting about more Whitecap stuff and who knows what else. Thank you for joining us this week, Arv. I really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. Before we go, let folk know where they can find your stuff online and any final thoughts or anything that you've learned this week. Uh, thank you very much for having me on the show, Michael. It's always great talking whitecaps and women's soccer with you. Uh, you can find my work at uh, Daily Hive. We had a nice story last week about grass, not the kind you might think about. You know, the one that's not at BC Place, but it's everywhere else in Vancouver. And you can see my women's soccer stuff at Equalizer. I will have a uh, preview that should be out now about the women's uh, national team as they head into qualifying. So, yeah, um, you can tweet me uh, at the Twitter machine. Uh, maybe I'll write you back. Maybe I won't. We'll see. 
and it's hard journalist. You can find her on Twitter. Been a pleasure having you on the show this week, Har. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTM.ca. And as always, give us a like, subscribe, turn on notifications on YouTube, hit the bell, all that kind of stuff. I think what I've learned this week is if you're trying to arrange a show, don't send Steve messages by WhatsApp. He just doesn't read them or reply. But we got Har, much better replacement. Maybe we'll make it permanent. We'll have to see. But we will be back soon. Until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the caps. And Ali LaRouge. Going to your first match is an experience you'll never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Ten minutes left. Yeah, but-